Good morning. His love is perfect. Mine isn't, but his is. Uh, some announcements. Uh, this Friday and Saturday night, the teens are doing a play up in the uh, up in the cool church room. It's called Murder in the Air, and it's H E I R. So, uh, and they did it several years ago at uh, drama camp. So I saw it, and it's it's good. It's it's really terrific, and these kids are good. It's five bucks, so you got to bring your five bucks with you. But um, but I encourage you to come. Now, a couple of other things. Out in the foyer, there is a school bus, a little school bus. And you may not have noticed it, but uh, all the little kids notice it because they want to ride in it because it's empty. And it's not supposed to be empty. It's there to uh, put in school supplies for the single parents ministry. And guess what's happening real soon? School, yes, that's right. In fact, I think last next week is the is the deadline for putting stuff in there. So uh, notice that it's there, and and let's let's bring some stuff and put it in. Now, next week also is a fifth Sunday, and um, normally on the fifth Sundays we've been having the uh, we we've not been having cool church, and the kids will come down and join the service. The idea was. That four times a year, the kids would come down, they'd sit with their mommies and daddies and be in big church and follow the example, and, and, it, and it would be great. Uh, the only problem with that was, well, there might have been more than one problem, but the main problem with that was is that when the kids came down, uh, they would have to sit with their mommies and daddies, which didn't please the mommies and daddies or the kids. So... They, uh, uh, it, it, a lot of mommies and daddies just didn't stay. So beginning this fifth Sunday, there will be cool church until further notice. So just wanting to, just wanting to let you, let you know that, give you, give you a heads up to that ahead. Um, okay, let's stand up and let's finish Ephesians, Philippians chapter three. And it'd probably help if I turn this on. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that's in it, for the life that's in it. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit would breathe on each of us, breathe on the things that I say, Breathe on my ears, breathe on my heart, breathe on each of us, 
In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Uh, This passage of Scripture, when I first uh, sat down to read it, I thought, I should have given this to Barbie. Uh, And then I went, there's got to be something here for me. And, uh, and the Lord began to, to bring some things here for me. So I've really got three things from this scripture that I want to bring out. And they're not necessarily all that connected. This is a shotgun uh, sermon. And that's, uh, that's okay because uh, there's a pretty good chance there's something here for you. Uh, the, the first thing it goes to that first verse. He says, those of us who are mature should think this way. So what does it mean to be mature? When I was uh, when I was younger, uh, my hero was uh, Peter Pan. Uh, I really liked his peanut butter, and uh, and I really liked his attitude. I mean, you know, a, a Peter Pan could stay up as late as he wanted to, could do anything he wanted to do. Uh, he could fly, uh, all that stuff. I'll never grow up because growing up just didn't seem like something that appealed to me. Now. Um, there's a couple of places I want to go with this maturity thing. And one of them, uh, actually, I'm going to go from both sides of it. But, but for younger people, and uh, I know there are young people over here, but most of them are kind of over here. Uh, uh, back in the 60s, when I was a teenager, <laughs> man, I mean, the 60s, uh, just the greatest decade ever, right? Because... I'm a t- amen, because I'm, I'm a teenager during that time. Back, back in the 60s, there was this, there was this uh, really not a very good movie that came out called Wild in the Streets, and it was about, it was about a, a 24-year-old running for president. Of course, that can't happen, right? But he got elected, because this is a movie, and anything can happen in a movie. And, uh, and, and the, the theme from the movie that ran throughout it was, never trust anyone over 30. That's how cool we were. I mean, you know, we used to be young and we used to be cool and everything. And, and, and we kind of had this, this idea not to trust anyone over 30. I mean, who, want, who wanted to be around old people anyway? Because the idea of mature people was that they don't get it. They aren't fun. They've given up. They, they, they don't enjoy life. And they think they know it all. Most of them didn't even know who the lead singer for Herman's Hermits was. And you don't even know who Herman's hermits were. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it ironic how each generation thinks the other generations think they know it all? From, from, from different perspectives. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm just saying, hey, I, I was there. You know, I, I had those same feelings every I think every teenager, every young person has those feelings, those kind of attitudes. And we kind of think that, well, you know, I don't know if this maturity thing is really all that it's cracked up to be. But there's confusion there because oftentimes we confuse growing old with growing mature. And they are not the same thing at all. They actually have very, very little connection with one another, when you, get, when you get right down to it. It's my first time to say that this, uh, this week. Uh, and, and there are different kinds of maturity. Now, physical maturity does tend to come with age. And, you know, and, and, and it's a pretty similar pattern for most people. Occasionally, you'll get the, uh, 
11-year-old freak in, in, um, in baseball who's six foot one and can throw the ball 75 miles an hour from 45 feet away and stuff like that. But for the, for the most part, uh, physical maturity is, 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 is a line that everybody follows with age. And uh, almost everybody thinks that physical maturity is a good thing. I mean, there, I, I, very few people go, well, I would like to stay two foot six and, and, and weigh 40 pounds. Some of us might want to weigh 40 pounds or lose 40 pounds, but uh, very, very few of us want to stay in, in infancy in that state. Uh, however, there's also a different matter of emotional maturity, which is, which is a different kind of thing. Uh, and it has nothing whatsoever to do with age because of this. Age is just a number. Maturity is a choice. It is a choice. It's always. Immaturity is also a choice. We sometimes intentionally make a maturity. You, you can be a child in age and decide to be mature. And, and some, some children are very mature. You can be an old person and have never made that decision, and you'll be immature. Uh, emotional immaturity is, uh, is pathetic. Quite frankly, when you get right down, I remember the most embarrassing moment of my life. And I felt like I had shared this before, but the early service didn't remember it. But they're old. But I was, I, was a, I was a junior in high school, and, uh, and my girlfriend uh, played basketball. And she was a good basketball player. Uh, and I went to a game, and um, she wasn't getting to play. Uh, and, I mean, she wasn't like one of these starters, but she was like first one off the bench. She wasn't getting to play, and the team was getting killed. So I decided to... Advise the coach. And I decided to advise the coach from the stands. Yeah, you get it, don't you? And I have a good set of lungs. As I was advising the coach. And I named names. And I look back on that. I go, oh my goodness. What was I thinking? I, I was thinking, but I was emotionally immature. And I wasn't able to control what goes on. I mean, you know, think Johnny Manziel. You know, think, think all, all of the, there are any number of athletes whose names you can plug in, whose lives, if they could just get a grip on some emotional maturity, they could do something. They'd go somewhere, but they throw it all away. Because they don't have that emotional maturity. Most people consider emotional maturity to be a good thing. But some people don't mature so much as they simply run out of steam. Run out of dreams. Run out of life. And that's not a good thing. But growing old and maturity are not the same thing. I, I, I read a, a quote this week. I don't know who said it. If, if nobody knows, I'll claim it. said... Uh, Growing old didn't take as long as I thought it would. And it doesn't take very long. But maturity 
doesn't take very long either. It's just a decision. It's a decision that I'm, that I'm going to go this way. Maturity, old age is life draining. I mean, I'm sorry, but it just is. Yeah. I, I, you, you might. And, you, and sometimes people choose to be immature because they think it will keep them from getting old. Cool mom, anyone? You know, hey, I'm cool mom. How are you girls doing? Can I can I join in? You know, I I would I would like to talk to. I'm really cool. You know, cool 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 old guy, cool cool forty five year old guy goes in hitting on young girls. You know, and he's he's thinking I'm cool. You know, and they're thinking ooh wee. Yeah. Don't want to be that guy. It's pathetic. But we, but, so you're going to get old regardless. You're either going to die or you're going to get old. Those are the two options. And old age does tend to take something out of you. You know, it just really does. I mean, I can, I, I can bust a move, but I can't bust, I might bust something else if I. <laughs> So old age takes stuff out, but maturity doesn't. Maturity enhances life. Maturity, maturity puts things in. Uh, and, and what, you know what, let's look at some signs of maturity real quickly. Just, just three quick ones right here. Mature people are dependable. You can count on them. You know, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how well you know this job. I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care if you don't show up. It doesn't matter. Give me somebody who shows up. You know, give, give me somebody I can kind of count on what they're going to do when they show up. <laughs> yeah. So ma- mature people are dependable. Ma- mature people know who they are. Old people know who they are. But mature people know that they're still changing and they're okay with that. When I was when I was younger, I uh, as a young person, I had certain strengths, certain talents, but I didn't necessarily know what they meant. I didn't necessarily know how to use them. I didn't necessarily know where how they fit in, and so, and so as a result, I was I was easily threatened and easily confused. And 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 I'm not saying that I'm not still easily confused from time to time, but I've got a much better idea now, and 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 I'm not threatened by what God's given to others. Not threatened by, you know, where I fit. You know, I, I kind of know that. Uh, when we were in Zimbabwe, Ezekiel Goody would come to the school, and he was the, he was the archbishop, he was the founder of the school, and he was an old man. And, uh, and he, sometimes he'd come and he'd speak to the students, and, and I heard him do that on numerous occasions, but the one time that I really remember was a time that he was just driving home to these, to these, Students, most of them in their most of them in their twenties, some of them in their teens, but just driving home to them, you can change, you can change. You are you are not. He, he would say, you're not a motor car. You can change. You're you're not an inanimate object. He meant you can change. And he said, every, every day I change. Every day I learn something. Every day something changes. When you've quit changing, you're finished. Put a fork in. 
Paul says intentionally here, you know, I, I, I have not attained all of this. I press on. I, I've still got places to go and, and things to do. And so mature people know who they are, but they also know that they're changing. And then, and then mature people, the game slows down. The game slows, the time speeds up, but the game slows down. It, it, it's like in sports. Uh, you know, if you're a rookie quarterback, that, your rookie year is probably going to be your longest year, and the, but the game's going zoom, 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 zoom. You know? Later years, the year goes by quick, but the game has slowed down. You begin to you begin to know how to move in certain situations. You begin to know things to do. You begin to learn some things. I've learned a few things. I've, I've learned a lot more about how to relax. Say, oh well, that's important. That's very important. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've learned that. Vacations are not for relaxing. I, I used to think, we'll go on a vacation and relax. Ha! No, you've got to come back and go to work to relax. You know, vacations are, are stressful things. Holiday seasons? Woo! Yeah, that, that's... That, that's something that I, and, and I used to, I used to not be able to recognize stress, quite frankly. When I was younger, uh, you know, Margaret would say, you need to get away. We, you, you need to get away for a while because you're being stressed. And I'm going, I'm not stressed. <laughs> what do you mean stress? I don't feel any stress. Oh, where do you want to go? <laughs> uh, I've learned. Okay. You know, so that's what stress is. Yeah. I've gained some practical wisdom. Never hang your own drywall. <laughs> I tried that once. <laughs> Actually, I recruited some friends to, uh, to get into that mess with me. And uh, we were redoing it upstairs. And, you know, we had the ceiling. We had the, we had the walls. We had everything to do. And, you know, about a third of the way through, I just went... <sighs> And, and, uh, and, and, and hired some people and they came in and like, you know, eight hours they were done. I've been working on it for, for four weeks, you know, and like eight hours they were done and it zip zap. And then, you know, I'd cut holes in this. Uh, never mind. I'm not even going to tell you all the things that I did. I've also learned to never think that you're going to save money by installing your own crown molding. You know, I mean, this is stuff. Mature people. I've also learned that activity is not the same thing as accomplishment. Yeah. And I've learned some better priorities. Not everything needs to be done today. I, I kind of grew up with the, with the teaching that don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Well, in some cases that's true. But in some cases, if you do it today, you're going to do it wrong. Or it'll get messy. Or it needs some time. Before it's ready to do. Not, and not everything needs to be fixed. Not everything's, I promise you, when you leave this world, there will still be broken things in it. And some of them, yeah, there's some things you do need to fix, but I tried to fix, tried to fix my shower once. <laughs> Cut a hole in the wall, almost burned the house down. It was. <laughs> Thank you.
and I've learned to recognize seasons. Seasons in, in, in my life. Not every month has to be better than the month before. And, and if it's not, that doesn't mean that, oh, this is all wrong. You know, I, don't freak out about it. You know. And so Paul says over, over in Philippians, it's good to be mature. Paul says all of us who, then who are mature should take such a view of things. What, what, what is that view? Well, he covered it in the first part of the chapter, and he said three things. To know Christ. See, mature, those who are mature in the Lord have three priorities. Number one, to know Christ. Number two, to know Christ. And number three, to know Christ. And if you get those three things down, everything else is going to take care of itself. Because that's, that's the essential. The attitude they should have is to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Christ took hold of you for eternal life. He did not take hold of you to fix your old life. That needs to be buried. He took hold of you to give you a new life. To, to, to bring you into a whole new way of living. Those who are mature have the attitude of pressing on toward the prize. They aren't finished. They aren't finished. You can change. You're not a motor car. You, there, there's, there's a goal. There's something that you're pressing on towards. So maturity was one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about was who are your examples? We've already heard mentioned today Obi-Wan and Luke, but neither one of them can hold a candle. The Yoda. I read last week uh, Eugene Peterson's part of his introduction to the book of Philippians, and I want to remind you of one of the passages that said, mostly an apprentice acquires skill by daily and intimate association with a master, picking up subtle but absolutely essential things such as timing, rhythm, touch, things that you In everything, you get better by being involved with someone who's better than you. You just, you just do. Uh, I mean, you can get a little better by reading a book. Certainly practice will get you better. But if you really want to get better, you know, I said don't hang drywall yourself. If you, if you got to hang drywall, if you want to make that uh, a profession or something, then you need to find somebody who knows how to do it and work with them. That's, that's how you, if you want to, if you want to be a, an auto mechanic, you find somebody who's a good auto mechanic and you go, can I work with you? Can, can I, can I find out how to do this? You want to learn to play guitar? I mean, there, there are people, you, you can, you know, go on YouTube and you can watch the, uh, the videos and, and, and stuff like that. But if you really want to be good, you get with somebody who is really good and go, okay, how, how did you, how was the fingering on that? You know, what? What is that chord? Teach me this. That's that's how you that's how you get good in in acting. You know, if you if you want to if you want to be a good actor, work with people who are better than you are. Begin to learn how how they do things. I used to play some racquetball every now and then, and uh, I've discovered now that uh, well, actually, I, I discovered some time ago that you know I didn't want trophies or anything because I uh, didn't want to put in that much work. Uh, and, and wasn't that that talented, uh, you know, I just want to have fun and sweat some, but th uh, there was a time when I was going, you know, I want to be good. And I started playing with this guy who, uh, 
I mean, the game sort of 21, and if I scored three, it was a, it was a, it was a big victory. You know, if I could return one serve in 10, it was a big victory. But you know what? I began to kill everybody else I was playing with because I was playing with somebody who was better than I was. We understand that. Whoops. And those, did you hear me almost say whoops at that point? We, we understand that in those types of settings. Why do we think the Christian life is any different? Why do we think we don't need hands-on examples? And when I say hands-on, I don't just mean hands-on the remote. John said, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have touched and our hands have handled, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. We've kind of let technology take over where we'll settle for the image. We'll go for the image rather than than know what the reality is. Really, even someone you see on a platform once a week, that's not enough. You know, and, and when it comes to when it comes to just, you know, using the technology to hear somebody say something or, or uh, present this, this image to you. You know, I, I'm obviously preaching to the wrong people because you're here. But let me just say it anyway. Get your bad self out of bed. Get yourself dressed and go and be there. Be there. Find somebody that, that you can talk to. Find somebody that you can... Ask questions with some, find somebody who will live life alongside you in situations. That's, that's what real discipleship is. Uh, press in. Press in. Make, make an effort. And don't be put off by the discovery that they are human. You don't quit eating Big Macs because they look like that. You know, you don't, you don't go in and go, Oh, that's not what the picture looks like. I don't want this. No, you chow down. And so when you, when you find out that they're actually a human, you ever met a famous person? How many of you have met a famous person? Yeah, yeah. They're always shorter than they, <laughs> than you thought they were. They really are. And they're usually uglier than you, than you thought they were. I mean, you know, there were some exceptions, but for the most part, that, that's, that's what humanity is. That's, that's the way that that works. We're not aiming for a slick packaged image. We're aiming for something extremely real. In fact, we're aiming for something the most real of anything there is. Life in Christ. So, <coughs> who are your examples? Maturity. Last point. Where is your citizenship? Where is your citizenship? We spent three years, most of you know this, some of you don't. We spent three years in the mid-80s as expatriates in Zimbabwe. And uh, it was a good time. It was a good time to be there. Were you born by the mid-80s? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> oh, I know when you were born. I was, I was, I was asking sister. Uh, it's a good time to be there. We, we loved the country. We had a fruitful season fruitful time there we we adjusted to life so much of it became familiar uh to us 
you know, things were, things were a little different, but it didn't take long to adjust. And, and, and the things people would say, the phrases they would use, uh, for the longest time it used to confuse me because I, if I would say something like, um, it snows in Nashville in the wintertime, yeah, the response I would get is, is it? Yes, it, it, it is. You know, almost anything you'd say. I mean, is it? Uh, and I finally asked one, one guy one day, I said, what does that mean? And he, he, at first he said, I don't know. And, uh, and then he thought about it. He said, I think it means, is it so? And I went, oh, okay, yeah. That, I, I get that. You know, all right. So I would, you know, I just became a native. Is it? And I know uh, a, a few months before we, we left to come back, we, we knew we were coming back. We, we, I remember we were at the dinner table one night, and uh, uh, Isaac, I think, was eight at the time, and, uh, you know, and he was eating like an eight-year-old. And, uh, and I remember Margaret saying to him, mind your milk. Now, in this country, if you were to tell a child, mind your milk, they would want to know what the milk is asking them to do. But, uh, and, and in fact, the phrase, there was, there was a lull that kind of went over the table and went, it's time to go home. Yeah, when you start telling your kids to mind their milk. But I mean, you know, we, we, we fit in. But we were never citizens of Zimbabwe. We were not citizens. And some people come to, to, to Christ and it's a good time and it's comfortable and they adjust to church life. They learn the lingo, but in their hearts and in their minds, their citizenship never changes. Are they saved? Probably. Uh, To some degree, they may even be disciples, but something fundamental and important changes when our citizenship transfers in our hearts and in our minds. Something really important changes when we begin to think, this isn't my home. What changes? Well, we, we can still uh, be in God's will in the foreign country. In fact, we may very well be in God's will in the foreign country. We, uh, uh, we, we can still work for the good of that country. In fact, we should. When, when the Israelites were in, were in Babylon, um, the word of the Lord to them was, work for the good of where you are. You're going to be there for a while. So work for the prosperity of that place, for the peace of that place. should do that. We can prosper in a foreign land, but the foreign land is never our home. It's never our destiny. I'm a sixth generation Native American. Uh, my four times great-grandfather was the one who came over on the boat from Ireland. But the USA will not always be my home. And it is not my destiny. Every day that we were in Zimbabwe, I mean, yeah, when we were in Zimbabwe, every day that we, and and this is how it impacted things, to know that where I'm living is not where I'm a citizen. One, every day that we were in Zimbabwe, I realized uh, that I was disenfranchised. I couldn't own property. I didn't have the right to buy property there. I say, well, you know, you got property here. Well, I got property here. I'm not going to keep it. Not going to keep it. You can't keep it. Someday it's going to belong to somebody else. 
hopefully one of my kids or grandkids or something, but it might be a stranger. Every day that I was there, I realized I couldn't hold office. Now, you can, you can become, you can have an influential place in this world and you can make changes and you should and that's good, but they're not going to be permanent. Whoever comes next is going to do what they want to do. Read it, read Ecclesiastes. No, that's basically what it says there. You, you can build something, you, you can work hard, you can make it just like you want it, and as soon as you're gone, it'll change. Because the next person's going to change it. Do what they want to do. Every day that I was there, I understood that I could be sent away. They, they could come in and say, you got 48 hours, or you got six hours, or you got whatever. And you got and you got to be gone. And you know what? One of these days, I'm going to be sent away from here. All five of those generations before me that were born in the United States, none of them are here anymore. There's there's a pile of dust laying under a rock with their name on it, but they're not here. And someday I'm not going to be here anymore. And so that, that's what came from an awareness that, that where I was was not where my citizenship was. But coming an awareness of where my citizenship was at the time, you know, I mean, I was a citizen of the United States. And, and here's, here's, some, here's three things that I knew from that. And this is, these are the fundamental things that happen when your citizenship changes. One of them is I knew that when people saw me, they saw the USA. When people saw me, when they saw our family, when they saw my wife, what they thought of the United States was what they were looking at and thought of me. Now, you know, I, I uh, you know, I didn't go around all day going, well, I'm an American, I got it. But I, I was aware of it. I knew it. You know, there were a lot of people there who were Americans and quite frankly, wasn't proud to necessarily stand beside all of them. Wasn't proud necessarily of what got projected by all of them. You know, they were still, we were still citizens. The same country, you know, and so we had a connection. But, and yes, I wanted people to like me, and yes, I wanted to do a good job, but I was aware that I represent something else, something something alien, something foreign. Do you, are you daily aware? I know that we're, we're kind of aware, aware that, when people see you, they see Jesus Christ. They are forming ideas and images of Jesus Christ. Those who know you and those who don't know you, if you've got the bumper sticker on the car, drive like Jesus is driving the car. I was, that, was, that just came out of nowhere, but that was really good. And then I realized that I had a strong power behind me. I was subject to the laws of the land where I was staying, but if push came to shove, there was a very strong power behind me that claimed me and that was ready to come to my aid. And when you know you're a citizen of another place, Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills from which comes my help. Where does my help come? It comes from the Lord. And we tend to, uh, to look at that and go, well, he's saying that his help comes from the hills. No, he's, he's saying, no, I'm looking at the hills, but where's my help going to come from? 
It comes from the Lord. Where does your help come from? What are you, what are you counting on? Counting on your, your bank account? You're counting on your employer? You're counting on some politician to help you? What? What? Well, if you're a citizen of heaven, that base is already covered. And then the third thing that I realized every day was my resources came from somewhere else. So I wasn't allowed to work for money. I wasn't allowed to, uh, to, to, to be paid and, and work in that way in that, in that country where I was. But that was okay. No problem. I had resources coming from someplace else. And in this world, where do your resources come from? Where, where do you think they come from? Yes, you get a paycheck. Yes, you, 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 you get a, an allowance. Yes, you get a, a dividend. Yes, you get, but where do you think that actually comes from? Because that tells you a lot about where you think your citizenship is. Tells you a lot about whether or not your, your heart is shifted on that. This world that we live in is a desperate mess. But we're not citizens of this place. And we eagerly await a Savior from the place where we are citizens. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies. I may get old, but that's okay. I'm not going to keep it. So that they'll be like His glorious body. When He shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne, the throne of my King, the one from my country. Would you stand with me? Things aren't a mess in my country. Are those who are going to minister with people if they've come forward at this time? Uh, and if you're here today and you need prayer. And let me just say this. Uh, most of the time I think when people come forward it's for an acute situation, for something that has happened at work, something, something the doctor said, some bad news that was received, something that's going on in a relationship right now. But sometimes there are chronic things, and uh, hopefully, like I said, this was a shotgun today, and hopefully if something hit home, it'll be something that'll get chewed on and something that'll be worked on over time. But most of the time, let's be honest, we walk out that door, and by the time we get to the parking lot, it's leaked out. And so if the Holy Spirit convicted you with something today if he touched you with something seal it seal it and this is one of the ways to seal it is to come and say you know what I need to I need my attitude needs I need to get mature I need some maturity in my life I need to begin to realize I need to live like I'm a citizen of heaven I need to live so that when people look at me they actually want to know Jesus Christ 